Welcome to Lipstick Fitties, a beauty podcast. I'm your host, Atlanta makeup artist and content creator, Rachel Rose Mazza. I created this podcast to have unfiltered conversations about all things beauty. We're chilling with my friends and colleagues from all over the world in all different walks of life. This goes way beyond the glossy facade of social media. Sometimes we don't get to know the personalities behind the people who create with their heart and soul. I'm talking to everyone from pro makeup artists to beauty enthusiasts, from influencers to entrepreneurs, and everyone in between. Lipstick Biddies is a community we're building that is truly interactive with you listeners. So if you're someone who wants to learn some shit, get inspired, and have a good-ass time, this podcast is for you. Who are the faces behind the faces? Keep listening to find out. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Lipstick Biddies podcast. I'm your host, Rachel. Welcome back. Um, Today's episode is really, really great. I know a lot of you have been asking for more business-related episodes and things like that. So who better to get on here than my friend Abigail Coleman? You can find her on Instagram at Abigail's Online. And make sure, guys, to get a pen and paper. If you've ever been confused or needed guidance on social media strategy, branding, uh, if you're confused about how to get clients, if you feel like you're not communicating with your audience as well as you could be, Abigail is like, she just got out of school for this, (laughs) y'all. So she knows her shit. So she actually does this social media, like marketing and influencer strategy for a brand called Youthphoria, um, and she helped them grow the brand on social media as well. She also is a makeup artist in Seattle, and I love her work, and she's just so, so sweet. So um, I broke this up into two episodes because it was so long, so make sure to look out for part two. This is part one, and yeah, like I said, make sure to Take as many notes as you need to. I'll put as much as I can into the show notes as well. Uh, before we get into the episode, though, a couple reminders. If you enjoy this content, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. This podcast would not exist if it weren't for your shares and boosting this uh, podcast on social media. The reviews especially do help as well. Make sure to take a screenshot if something you hear resonates with you um, or if you'd like to, what you've found has worked for you to add to the conversation. Another way that you can help support this podcast is by signing up for my Patreon account. So if you go to the show notes, you can sign up for the Patreon. It is less than the price of a lipstick and you will receive access to a private community lipstick biddies facebook group for networking and you know connecting with these amazing amazing people who love this community part of the patreon subscription as well you will get a podcast shout out so on that note i'd like to shout out my two newest patrons tamara at chic beauty society and binky at binky winks thank you so much for your support um so make sure to click the link in the show notes see which tier seems best for you there are a couple different tiers and we also do monthly giveaways i just did a massive giveaway for my very first giveaway for the patreon subscribers and the winner for that was miss rachel at rachel austin boxley congratulations rachel she won about six hundred dollars worth of product And going forward, all the Patreon subscribers will be automatically entered into monthly small, small 
little thank you giveaways that I will be hosting as well. So get on the Patreon if you'd like to have a deeper experience and be a little bit more immersed in this um, community. Last thing is if you are posting or reposting anything, make sure to tag me at Lipstick Biddies and at Rachel Rose Makeup. And if you'd like to be featured on our Instagram feed, make sure to use hashtag Lipstick Biddies and I will be featuring a new community member every Friday and specifically for the month of June, our LGBTQIA plus identifying community members. So if you specifically identify with that group, make sure to send me a DM to let me know uh, because I'm going to be specifically highlighting these amazing, amazing people because it is fucking pride and I am bisexual and queer and I fucking love my community. I'm so happy to celebrate and so happy to show up as a bisexual lady. Hey, hey. (laughs) And um, also I wanted to do um, a little like fundraiser, I guess. So for the month of June, if you donate to any LGBTQIA supporting groups and email me your receipt to lipstickbiddies at gmail.com, I will give you a story shout out in the form of a hype video, which I haven't done these in a while. You will get a personalized hype video on my story. And also I will be matching all donations to donate to Lost and Found Youth in Atlanta. Lost and Found Youth is an Atlanta-based nonprofit that exists and homelessness within the LGBTQIA plus community and all sexual minority youth. If you do not know, more than 40% of homeless youth identify as part of the LGBTQIA community and this disparity in the homeless youth population continues to grow. So our donation to this organization or any other organization such as like the the Trevor Project and things like that, Um, any organization of your choice, I will link the Lost and Found Youth in the show notes as well as in my bio. So if you'd like to specifically donate to that organization, you can. Otherwise, any organization of your choice. And like I said, email me the receipts to lipstickbiddies at gmail.com. I will give you a story hype video and we'll be matching all donations um, to donate to lost and found youth here in Atlanta Um, and yeah that's pretty much all I wanted to go through and um, hope you enjoy the episode stay tuned for part two as well Hello, little biddies. Welcome back. Welcome to the Lipstick Biddies podcast. I'm so excited about my host. <laughs> Start again. <laughs> I always have to record this. Like, I swear no, to you, okay. every every time it's at least twice. <clears throat> Hi, my little biddies. Welcome back to the Lipstick Biddies podcast. It's your host, Rachel here. I have a very special guest today, my friend, Abigail Coleman. How are you, Abigail? Hi, I'm doing good. I'm excited to be here and I'm ready to dive into it with you. Thank you so much for having me on here. I'm so excited. First of all, I always like comment on like what's going on visually. Um, (laughs) We kind of color coordinate today. Mm -hmm. Abigail's Mm -hmm. wearing like a light, like pastel blue um, sweatshirt and I'm wearing some sort of like it's it's a it's a night dress. It's a even. cloud style, cloud s. Yeah, it's it's like a we're here for the pastels. Yeah, it's spring. It's but it's spring. also a little moody. Exactly, exactly. We're here. And we're here for it. As you know, we don't really. I don't usually wear pants, so this is like a night dress. Even though it's only six thirty, I got to be comfortable. We got to be comfortable. I got to have my drink. It's mm-hmm. always about it's about the comfort on this mm-hmm. podcast. So I've been working from home for 
about a year now and I literally only wear sweatshirts and sweatpants. So, right. Like how weird is, I feel bad for people that have to go back into the office. Like I'm very fortunate that I don't have to, at least I don't, I mean, I (laughs) I can't, I, I can't even imagine graduating and then having to go into a nine to five in the office. Like I truly can't imagine that. Right. Right. You know, COVID has had its ups and downs, but one of the things that I actually am thankful for is transitioning from student to professional is I've had, you know, the blessing of being able to work from home, which (laughs) a lot of people throughout the pandemic have not had. So I'm really grateful for that. And never switching from like, at least when I was in college, we always wore like sweatpants and stuff to class. I don't know about how it was with you, but like Mm -hmm. we were always dressed down. And if I could just segue out of school and wear sweatpants into the real world, that would have been great. That would have been perfect. Yeah. It's been an interesting transition, but for sure. Well, we'll get into it. So, um, Abigail, I wanted to ask Abigail to be a guest on this podcast. First of all, Abigail's a makeup artist. We've met we've known each other for about a year, I guess. And we've become in like more close, like relationship, maybe like in the past, like couple months, I would say like three, four months, probably since my, uh, Christmas, since Christmas. Yeah. Christmas. I had a little, <laughs> I, Christmas I brought the day. energy and you know, we went yes. from there. <laughs> yes. So, um, so Abigail is, she went to school for marketing and business. So business administration. So Abigail's actually just a little like inside insider. Um, Abigail's been helping me a little bit with my brand strategy specifically for lipstick biddies, because I feel like it's always so hard for people like to get a grasp on that and get a grasp on branding and like their social strategy. And I know a lot of you listeners have been requesting more business focused um, like episodes. And I thought it was really cool that not only do I get someone who knows that, but is also a makeup artist. So it's really cool that like we get to talk about like a little bit of everything and have someone who just came out of school and knows their shit. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting there. You know, I'm lear- honestly, I've learned more since I've graduated than I did probably in the four years that I was in college. Um, but yeah, being able to work professionally in makeup and apply all of the business strategy, that is just the best of both worlds. Like that's sort of why I went to business school is to do what I'm doing now, which is just, I'm so thankful that I was able to sort of kickstart my career within beauty so early on, because I really didn't anticipate that I would be able to make that jump so soon. Um, and, you know, maybe that's something we can oh, for sure. <laughs> touch on in a little as well. Yeah. So tell me about how, so you were doing, were you doing makeup or want, you knew you want to be a makeup artist before you went to school, like during school. So tell me like how you kind of got into makeup and what you're hoping for, like in your like professional career, as far as when it comes to makeup. The first makeup product I ever wore, I was probably 17 or 18, which was stealing my mom's five-year-old mascara, right? Because my mom (laughs) didn't really wear makeup. I have some older sisters, but they're about six years older than me. So I never really got any influence from anyone in my close friends or family. And that was primarily because, you know, I did come from a little bit of a more conservative household, but mostly it was because... I have red hair. And a lot of the times whenever I would get, you know, my friends would do my makeup, things like that. My brows would be black. My bronzer (laughs) would be, you know, orange. And I thought that makeup wasn't for me. Like, you Mm. know, my lashes are blonde. So mascara doesn't, you know, I have to do a more cohesive look if I want to wear mascara. And being someone who didn't know anything about makeup, I was like, you know, why would I invest time, money into this? Like, I don't need it, whatever. And then 
I actually ended up taking a year off between high school and college. Wasn't necessarily my decision, but it was, I'm so thankful for that year because it was during that time that I was able to develop my love for makeup. And this was between 2014, 15, 16, when the industry was really accelerating, like starting Mm -hmm. to ramp up. I learned most of what I know from YouTube, as I'm sure Mm -hmm. a lot of other enthusiasts trying to make their way into the professional space have. And so it was something that I could do by myself. And it was something, it was a visual expression that I didn't verbal communicate. Mm. Uh, I don't know the right word. Um, but it was communicate your message. Exactly. I could communicate without verbally communicating, which was so important to me at the time. And from then, you know, I worked six years in retail. I did four years at Victoria's Secret. And from that experience, I learned that I really love nonverbal communication. And that comes from texture, color, things like that. And I wanted to know how to communicate without language, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so I really had no idea what I was going to study in college. I just knew that, you know, neither of my parents had the opportunity to go to college. And so I, even though I didn't know what I was going to do, where I would end up, I knew that I would figure it out. I knew that Mm -hmm. college would give me the tools to develop myself personally, professionally, and that I would sort of find it along the way. I didn't anticipate to continue doing makeup, to be honest, but it was something that I never stopped doing. You know, college is so insanely stressful and you have such limited time and there's always so much going on. But the one thing that kept giving me energy and that, you know, I kept going back to was makeup. So I never really paused doing that. It was always something I did on the side, but I continued doing it. And then probably like more into my junior and senior year, well, that was when Euphoria came out. And then Mm -hmm. that sort of solidified, this is what I want to do because it pushed the boundary. And even though, you know, Euphoria didn't start any of these makeup trends, but it definitely popularized a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important to know as well. So let me just interject. So um, I know you work for the company Euphoria, which we will talk about. Are you talking about Euphoria, the brand you work for, or are you talking about Euphoria, the um, HBO show? I'm talking about the show right now. Okay. So in, I mean, what was it? 2018? Basically, 2017, 18, 19 was when, you know, these more creative, abstract, Pat McGrath, you know, is to credit for as well. All of these became a lot more popular. And I felt so at home in makes in makeup looks like that. Like it was, it just made me feel like it brought me so much joy being able to mess with color and mess with texture and be not be ashamed of wearing glitter. Let's just like say that because <laughs> glitter in and of itself, you know, I would wear it to work. I would wear it like freshman, sophomore year and peering glitter. And I'm like, because I love it. Oh, and I grew so up in like, having, yeah, I grew up in like 2000. Like, you know, I, oh, we, I can't even imagine. Back yeah. in the, well, back in the day, it was like, you would get a roller ball and it would be yes. glitter roller balls. Yes. Glitter has come a very long way. Let me yes. say it because if lemon head was a thing, we, we would look mm-hmm. a little bit better, but yeah, it was the, all about the glitter roller balls limited yeah. to had like glitter, like sprays. It was, spray, it was, a, it was the a lotion, hot, the, the mm-hmm. hair gel. It was a hot mess. I still <laughs> use glitter hairspray on my mm. body to this mm. day. I actually wore it this past weekend just because it's easy to apply. It's non-sticky and it, dries super fast. Anyway, that's like a side point. <laughs> a little tangent. But, but so, you know, towards my junior year, I didn't get into my major until the end of my junior year, the beginning of my senior. So I didn't even really find marketing until the end of my college career, which is interesting because once I got into the major, it was like a light came on and I never looked back. There were so many 
ideas and terms that I had always thought about. I've always been a creative, but I never had a language to use. You know, people would say, what, you know, what's your dream job? And I'd be like, yeah, you know, just because Mm -hmm. I didn't have the language. I didn't know it was a discipline. I didn't know it was something you had studied. You know, I was really uncultured. I still kind of am relatively uncultured (laughs) and that's okay, you know? Um, And so with marketing, I was able to, within the last year of my education, I was able to curate my education, be I knew that I wanted to, it was like a one day, a dream, a goal to one day be able to apply my business strategy to cosmetics, to makeup, to art in general. Mm. And throughout all of undergrad, anytime I had a project, a group project, or, you know, even personal things, I would always curate it to be in the personal care product industry, because that's like the larger umbrella that makeup falls into. Mm. So that's, you know, skincare, hair care a lot falls into personal care. And so I did a lot of research in college that I knew would help me once I was out of college, even if I didn't directly go into cosmetics right away. Um, I don't want to like talk too much about specifically that, but Mm -hmm. you know, pretty much I knew that I loved makeup. I knew that it was a big goal that I had to basically cross business and art. Mm-hmm. I had no idea how I was going to do it. I had no idea that I was going to do it so early on in my career, but I knew that it was a goal and I knew, you know, what can I do today to learn more about the industry? Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what fueled my undergrad experience, all of the classes that I took, because, you know, all once you're in your major, you are able to choose your electives. And right. with marketing, it's a huge discipline. I like to say marketing is everything because really everything can kind of boil down to marketing. And so I really had to find, you know, what within marketing I wanted to do. And, you know, I've been on Stan Twitter since like 2010. So <laughs> like digital marketing came very naturally to me. And, you know, even that is something that's not really formally taught because right. digital marketing and social media marketing and influencer marketing, that all, it, they're all relatively new disciplines and they change so often. Like I actually had conversation with some of my professors and it's really hard to keep up the curriculum with social media marketing because it it's changes so every single day. Yeah. So that sort of covers, you know, how I got into makeup, even through, you know, continue doing it through college. And I just never really stopped doing makeup because it always, you know, it energizes me, it encouraged me, it inspires me. And I'm just so thankful that I Mm -hmm. was able to continue that um, all throughout college and even now. So are you, you're self-taught? Yes, within makeup. Yeah. That's awesome. So I I have no, I have no formal education. I really have no idea. Um, what I'm doing, it's all trial and error. It's all mm-hmm. practice, practice, practice. You know? The good thing is there's so much um, ongoing education that if you don't go to like a formal school, you could always take a master class, especially right now. Yeah. So many virtual options and stuff like that. You could always take like a master class, one off here and there. Even yeah. like uh, communities like Create Safely, if you need to get that basic hygiene education. And I actually just did that over because I worked my pretty much my first official freelance job was in, over Ooh. this past week. Yeah. So and I was going to talk to you about yeah, that. Yeah. So I did do a little certification here and there. Um, but other than that, you know, my formal education is in the business space, right. not within art, not within makeup at all. So, you know, I'm all, I'm constantly learning every you're single day and, I and love you're it. still young and you're still young. Yes. So like you're in, you're just in the beginning of your career, which is why also I'm excited to talk to you because I feel like a lot of people that I've had on here are more like, um, you know, further along in their career and coming from a different 
perspective, but I feel like it's really important to always know about like what's new, what's fresh, talk to people who are, are you, are you Gen Z? You're a zillennial. I remember you talking so, about this. <laughs> I'm a zillennial. Right. And so I was born in 97, okay. but I have, God, I feel older- so old. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, 97. But, but you know what? You know what? That's what's so awesome about makeup, though, is that we can connect. You know, it literally doesn't matter. We could be from the smallest town. We don't have to be from a city. We don't have right. to be, you know, know all of the trends. Like, we have so much knowledge that we can offer each other through our own personal lived experiences that it really doesn't, you know, matter, which right. I love. Um it but just I um, forgot your question. Sorry. No, I was just oh, I was just so mentioning. I'm a millennial. Yeah, I was go. just mentioning that you're I'm in between and yeah. I'm also neither. Um, you know, but also like I had said before, I did have a relatively what's the uh what's the word? A more conservative childhood, so I wasn't right. really exposed to a lot of like mainstream media like right. movies. I don't really know a lot of movie references, music Oh my gosh, really? Ooh. Yeah, it's sad. Like, you know, <laughs> friends and partners that I have, you know, that's always something that comes up. They're like, how do you not know this? And I'm like, was it like really religious, religious upbringing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like evangelical yeah. so type stuff. Conservative Christian. Yes. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, Cause they like sheltered you from like music and stuff. World. Yes. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Well now it's like, Oh, yeah. a whole new world. <laughs> it really was a whole, you know, once I, I started working right as I was 16 and, you know, once I started working, once I had a little bit of money, once I had a car, you know, I started to, you know, just find myself and everybody goes through that, you know, in that age, but it really was just like an entire yeah. new world. Um, but yeah, so I have two older sisters that are six years older than me, actually. Mm-hmm. So that's where I get a little bit more of the millennial side. Got and it. then I have a brother who's like, I don't know, 18 months younger than me. So uh-huh but he doesn't remember 9-11. I remember 9-11, which is kind of like that divide that people say. So I'm both, but I'm also neither. Gotcha. Which is interesting as a marketing professional because, you know, millennials and Gen Z were transforming the way that this is done. So it's cool to be part of both. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I always want to talk I always, I like, I don't have access to many people that are Gen Z, except for the models that I like hang out with, but you know, they're not like in the business or like makeup artistry space, not the people. So like whenever I remember I was working with some models this past weekend and they were like 17 and 18. And and I was like, please teach me how to TikTok. They in like 10 minutes showed me more about TikTok than I've known in the past fucking year that I've been on TikTok. Yeah. I was like, oh, I just need to like hire a Gen Z person for like about Honestly, an hour to come yeah. over. Cause it's mm-hmm. always so wild to me because it's like, it's just this whole difference of like, you all were brought up with like technology in a way that I wasn't. And yeah. so the way that you guys are so quick and so, so like, native. It, it, yes. And it's, it's, I don't know if, I think I might've told this story about how uh, Gen Z came after me once. Cause I posted something on TikTok. Like, I, I don't know if I mentioned it in a past episode. I may have, but basically like I posted something and someone had made a comment that I took the wrong way and I blocked them, took a screenshot, put the screenshot on Instagram. And mm-hmm. within 10 minutes, I had that person and all of her friends messaging yep. me. And I was like, what the fuck? Cause like, I didn't think yeah. to like d- delete her information. And I was like, well, it's on Instagram, but I didn't think that yeah. the username is. And I was like, this is They're crazy. So smart. They're so it's, smart. It's too much. I'm like, yeah. no, no, get it. Anyways. So let me, yeah. let me reel it. Let me reel it back <laughs> in. So 
Let's talk. Well, let's talk about. I'm I'm excited about. Uh, let me let me hear about your first gig, your first yeah. professional gig. How to go? Yeah. What was it? How to go? It went really well. So pretty much, I was doing male grooming, which I have mm-hmm. never ever done before. I love male grooming, um, and it's it was easy. it was for TV, which is also a very different style of makeup that yes. I'm used to. You know, it's not that. You know, I just watched a couple of YouTube videos just to like catch myself <laughs> up. You know, it's not that I didn't know how to do that type of makeup, but I've never, you know, I've never really worked on men before. No. Um, so I have a woman who is in downtown Seattle and I've been able to connect with her over the last couple of weeks. And she's been in the industry, you know, film, TV for 20, 30 years. So I have so much to learn from her. And this was a job that I actually did on my own. I wasn't assisting or anything, which I was a little surprised about at first. And I was a little scared about that, but it was the most perfect job I could have done because awesome. it was, yeah, it was such a good, you know, just like little test, like little mm-hmm. bite of what the industry can be. And, you know, although it was a very different makeup style, it was totally out of my realm. I was so comfortable. You know, I, I actually used her kit and I knew exactly what I was doing and I was so confident in my own abilities versus if I had gone into something that was more editorial, you know, I probably would have been assisting in that, in that realm, but I think I might've felt a little bit out of my element, but, and so I, you know, she knew exactly what she was doing, getting me set up with this gig. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for that. And so now I'm at a point where, you know, do I want to invest time and money and energy into freelancing? And it's you hard might as because, well. yeah, you might as well. Yeah. You can like, honestly, to freelance, you only need like some, like a basic, basic kit. You don't need everything in the world to yeah. do makeup. And if you talk, I mean, we'll talk afterwards, like mm-hmm. literally like talk to a working makeup artist or the person who set you up, like, you just need a few staple products and like a solid skincare kit and then you yeah. can freelance and like you don't need to be like worried about it and like learning mm-hmm. about mixology and color matching mm-hmm. I think are key and yeah. once you have well, all a that lot of that belt, I've learned from Danessa which is yeah. amazing so I you know as soon as I got connected with Danessa I went straight into the university just watch literally everything um I learned so much from know, her too yeah from mixology to you know even like sanitation, things like that. Like I just learned so much through those videos that, you know, even though I don't really have any formal education in the professional makeup space, I feel like I'm still able to get in, get my feet wet, listen, learn, observe, and then eventually practice. So I'm excited to see what kind of freelancing. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited for you. So, um, so let's talk about a little bit about what you do for work. Um, mm-hmm. So right now you are working with a brand, a makeup brand that's pretty new um, called brand Euph- new. So Euphoria. So um, did you, were you like hired after everything was kind of put together or were you brought on to like build their brand or was it like brand strategy? Can you like, just tell me a little bit about how you were brought on, what your role was when you brought on, like, and what your role is now with them? Because if you're listening and you want to get in with brands, this is like what you need to pay attention to. So like, Mm -hmm. this is why I wanted to have you Abigail on here to give like more of an insider insight into all of all the stuff that goes on to goes into branding. So yeah. 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 So this is, is a very, very small brand, you know, no outside funding, 
Um, and pretty much I came in once product development was done, all of the components and messaging, the branding was done. Um, a lot, pretty much everything was done and ready to go. And my job was bringing it alive online, pretty much. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have to do any of the like actual copywriting, website development, none right. of that, which, you know, my business education doesn't really encompass that anyway. But I mean, even in the day, the day to day work that I do now, yes, there is some of that business education, but a lot of it is stuff that I've learned on the job in the last year doing influencer marketing. So, so I came onto Youthphoria just to bring the brand online pretty much. So, you know, we had no, we really had no visuals. Um, we did mm -hmm. have a photo shoot that was done before well, it was planned. All of that was set in stone before I got brought on, but it actually happened. Like, so I started with Youthphoria early January and, you know, the first photo shoot that we had start was probably mid January. So pretty much that was done before I was brought on board as well. Got so it. I had to develop our social strategy, develop our influencer strategy, which I have had experience doing that. You know, I, after graduation, I got a job doing social and influencer strategy and I was able to sort of cross that line into makeup. And it was mm -hmm. so exciting to get into that because, because it's such a small brand and it's such a small team. I had a lot of freedom, I guess is the word. Um, you know, we had all of the branding, we had all of the elements, we mm -hmm. had all of the typography, you know, the iconography, we had all of that, but it was kind of a puzzle for me to put it all together, like to create the Instagram feed and to create you know, the influencer messaging, which is really important. And so that's really where my relationship with Youthphoria started was bringing the conversations online, building a community online and bringing the visual elements online because all the packaging was all done, all mm -hmm. of that. You mm -hmm. know, Fiona has a very clear idea of what she wanted and she was able to bring it to life through the product, through, you know, the secondary packaging and all of that. And so for me, it was just translating that into the digital space, which right. is so fun for me. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's how I got started with Youthphoria. And now, I mean, my role hasn't changed too much, really. So primarily, I do social strategy and influencer management. Got it. Yeah. So when people talk about like social strategy, we're talking about how you're formatting your social media, like how what mm -hmm. posts you're making the yeah. frequency, what your grid looks like, yeah. um, what all kind of that. messaging you're putting out. That's what that all encompasses. And I think that a lot of people, myself included, and this is why we even got on this topic, um, mm -hmm. are kind of lost when it comes to it. So, mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times it's because we're not getting any sort of like, we're not like finding we're not followers. Like we're not getting any movement, yeah. but I think it's because we don't have an actual strategy. Yeah. And so and important to have a strategy because if you're just, I've talked about this in the past before, if you really don't know what direction, direction you want to go, you do have to kind of throw shit at the wall and see what sticks yeah. and see what you like. And with but TikTok that, you know, sort of amplifies yeah. that as well. Yeah. But you know, it, all of the social strategy stems from the values of the brand. You know, why mm -hmm. was the brand started? What does the brand believe in? What are, you know, what message do we really want to communicate? Like when someone uses a product, how do we want them to feel? What's that emotion? What's that connection? Right. And 
if you want to start your social strategy, you have to go back to the basics. And with, you know, marketing is all emotional pretty much like, and Mm -hmm. it's all about the experience. How do you want that person to feel when they use the product? How do you want that person to feel when they share the product with their friends Mm -hmm. and focusing in on that emotion and translating that into other visual activations is Mm -hmm. like, that's just what fascinated me about marketing in the first place. And so being able to bring that to life with a real brand, you know, honestly, at the beginning of Euphoria, it really just felt like, like a glamorized, you know, group project almost. <laughs> because it, you know, I was following the exact same steps and, right. you know, they teach it to you like that for a reason. You're lucky. That means that she's a good boss and she actually knew what she was doing because like, let me tell you, that usually is not how it works. It's usually well, like, hey, yeah. this is what I do and this is what I know. And people are like fighting you the whole way. So it seems like a lot of like the legwork was kind of done for you. Fiona did she just has such a clear vision she knew exactly what she I mean even now she knows exactly what she wants yeah go ahead but that's what but that's so important and that's why I've struggled as a makeup artist specifically not so much with my social for my um for this podcast um Mm -hmm. but let's let's take everything that you just kind of said about a brand and about selling products that is directly transferable to you as a makeup artist marketing yourself to clients. And I know, like, I know this whole like aspect of it. And the problem is with me specifically is I don't have a, I don't have a specific style of makeup that I really enjoy most. I have a couple, I would say Mm -hmm. like natural and then super editorial, like creative, like those two really fuel me. Um, But also you have to sit down and like really figure out, like you were saying, like, who are you, who are you marketing to? What, what is your message? What, what emotions are you, you have to apply that to your ideal client, your ideal client being the person that's going to hire you for makeup. So when someone's like sitting down to do this, is there like a way that you would recommend kind of like organizing that in your head? Like what, what do you think is the best way for you to like start to even get a social strategy if you're a makeup artist specifically trying to market to clients? Wow. Um, I think it really has to do with the type of jobs that you can do that are available Mm -hmm. to you. So that could be geographic, like locational, you know, maybe there's a lot of bridal in your area and there's not so much editorial. So you have to adjust to where you are geographically. And then next, you know, what type of makeup fuels you? Like what brings you joy? Like what does your perfect client not look like? That's not the right wording, but like, what's your involvement? Like, are you doing, like, do you have a director come to you with the look or are you working with the team to develop that? Mm -hmm. Um, So I would probably start a little high level there of like, you know, oh, this is so, there's so much that goes into it because then also it's like on your platforms, what do you want to communicate? Do you want to showcase the work that you're doing? Do you want to educate other people that are in the field or wanting to be in the field? Do you want to market yourself? Like, are you forward facing or are you mm-hmm. always behind the camera? And there's, you can definitely do both. Um, but, but that it gets com- plays into your social strategy. The yeah. most, the most successful business people and the most successful brands are the ones that have clear messaging. And yeah. so it's really confusing. And this is, and this is another thing that I've learned from being in Danessa Myricks University, um, because she had like a course on this. Um, you know, it's confusing when you're, um, you're trying to do bridal, right? And your mm-hmm. whole page is bridal. And then you throw in um, a glitter, like editorial, yeah. like look at, in the middle of that. It's confusing. It's confusing. You don't, yeah. 
especially to the audience, not only to your potential clients, but to anyone that is following your work, because maybe they do follow you specifically for bridal. And then you bring in other elements and they're like, hold on, what are you doing? I followed you for this. I feel like you see that a lot on TikTok. Like someone will Mm. blow up on TikTok for something so specific, like so niche, like using a specific, not filter, but like effect. Like there's this guy who used that, he uses that, like, it's like a synthesizer singing Mm -hmm. thing. And if he doesn't use that in his videos, they don't get you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, you really do have to be reactive to your audience while also staying true to yourself, you know, yourself and what you want to bring to the table. But yeah, it's not, it's not easy at all. And it, you know, there's not really a lot of communication or education around how to brand yourself, you know, as a brand or as an individual, whether that's personally or professionally or both. And there's so much that goes into it. And, you know, Mm -hmm. people that do do bridal, but then they also, you know, maybe themselves, they're an enthusiast and maybe they want to make space in, you know, the influencer realm. Do they do that on the same account? Do they have more than one account? That's a conversation that comes up a lot with Danessa is, you know, do I have a personal Instagram and a makeup Instagram? Because you don't want to spread yourself too thin, but you also want to make sure that your messaging is cohesive and clear. So it's, yeah, it's not easy. And it takes a lot of, yeah, high level thinking and critical thinking, honestly, because you have to think about what you're communicating, how you're communicating and where mm-hmm. you're communicating, right. which is not easy and does not come, you know, that's not second nature. Like humans don't normally, you know, you have to work at that strategy yeah. and that's where the strategy comes in. Yeah. Honestly, like for me, like the easiest thing to do is just start like journaling, you know, like who it yes. like literally write down, who is my ideal client? Yeah. Um, they are um, thir- uh, 20 to 50 years old. They are uh, middle to upper class people. They are um, they are like uh, socialites, you know, like literally writing down who exactly that ideal client is to you, like to the T. Yep. And then you're, it's a little bit easier to kind of zero in on what you want to communicate. So yeah. like taking that. So one of the things that helps, I guess, you communicate your messaging is you told me about the social pillars. Yes. So can we talk about social yes. pillars? Because that was something yep. new to me. And I was like, is this like, I, I was like, I felt like I was letting on a secret here. So let's, <laughs> let's talk about social pillars. Yeah. So social pillars, content pillars, that essentially is a watered down version of what you're communicating. So let's take euphoria, for example, a couple of our content pillars are, you know, product communication, products are the right word. I guess just like product messaging in general, like informational about the product, photos of the product, that's its own category. And then another category is sustainability. And another category is behind the scenes with Fiona. And then another one is going to be press. Another one, you know, you have to compartmentalize all of the different things that you want to post about on social, whether that, you know, and maybe that is bridal, editorial, Mm -hmm. neutral, commercial, whatever that is, you sort of put those into groups. And then from those groups, you can really go into a little bit more detail with each one. But the point of having these content pillars is you always know whatever content idea you have, it's going to fit in one of these categories. And if it doesn't fit in one of your categories, then you need to take a step back and expand a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, if that, if no, that, that makes, I don't, that know, makes, I don't know if I explained yeah, that very well. That makes, that makes to- no, that 
totally makes sense. So your content pillars will drive how you plan your so essentially. So how do you, once you have those social pillars, so let's, let's talk about how that would relate to like a makeup artist. So your social pillars Mm -hmm. could be, let's, let's just talk about me. Let's talk about lipstick. Yeah. I was just going to say, let's talk about lipstick videos. So, um, because I'm still like, uh, you know, still like not a hundred percent. I'm basically, it's really hard. This is the other thing, guys, if you have multiple feeds, you can't spread yourself in too many directions. You kind of have to get yeah. one thing running well before you, you know, move on to the second one or the third mm-hmm. one. So for me, lipstick biddies has been more of my focus lately. I'm still working as a makeup artist, but I don't have to put as much effort into my social feed for Rachel Rose makeup. But so for mm-hmm. lipstick biddies, I think we said, you know, uh, like the pod, oh, I don't even have my sheet in front of me, but um, it's okay. I have my notes. Okay. So <laughs> a- Abigail has our notes from when we met. So let's talk yeah. about the social pillars for lipstick videos to give you another yeah. example. So we have five content pillars for lipstick videos. The first one is education. Second one is comedy and entertainment. The third is makeup artistry. Fourth personal development. And the fifth is behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So from that, you know, Rachel, you can take a look at all of these ideas and say, and sort of put, you know, all of the content ideas that you have, like, oh, this TikTok trend would match with this joke that matches with this look. And then you can put that under one of these categories. And then that helps you. It also helps you prioritize the content you're creating and sharing as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If that helps. Yeah. And so when you're planning out your feed, do you recommend that people use like planners like later and stuff like that? Do you think that makes it easy? Or what do you recommend as far as a straight strategy, how to like start building your feed once you get those content pillars into place? Do you want to like, you know, do like alternate it so that's equal? Yeah. Like what do you, what is, it's, what do you recommend for like the plan of attack for that? It's so hard to be honest. <laughs> and to be honest, all of the tools that are out there, they all have flaws. I haven't found one that I personally stick to and that I love, you know, I've tried so many. Um, I would recommend, especially, you know, not even necessarily if you're a beginner, but just if you don't have a lot of time on your hands or if you aren't necessarily versed in the digital realm is Canva is going to be your best friend. Mm, Yes. Yes. Use Canva and you don't have to only use it for graphics. You can use Canva for your photos as well. But Canva allows you to, allows you a little bit more flexibility of moving things around. Um, So I definitely recommend Canva. And then the other app that I use is called Unum. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I've never heard of that. It's similar to Planoly, which, so those, so Unum and Planoly, what those do is those let you add photos and it shows you what your grid is going to look like. And you can move it around so that it, it, so that it matches the aesthetics that you're going for. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my personal favorite is a checkerboard, which is, you know, for example, with Euphoria, we have a more graphic post and then we have a post with, uh, you know, someone's face in it, like a photo and then graphic and then photo, graphic photo. And I love that balance that personally speaks to me. And I'm also able to integrate that with the branding that Euphoria already has. But on my personal Instagram, I've done the three in a row, which is, you know, my personal Instagram is a little bit of a mess right now, but (laughs) over the, (laughs) to be honest, but over the past year, what I have been doing is post three photos in a row of the same look, which I, I personally love that it is, I don't want to say it's more taxing and time consuming because I typically have, so I would post one photo 
and then a video and then another photo to have that sort of symmetry. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's interesting as social continues to develop because aesthetics on Instagram don't matter nearly as much as they used to in, I don't know, like 2012 to 2016. Like if you're, if your feed didn't have like Visco A6 and it was all, (laughs) you know, organized, you know, effectively, you know, now it's sort of trendy to have a messy, you know? And that is really cool because it takes away a lot of the pressure pressure that I think a lot of people feel you know, can I post this? Oh, it doesn't really fit my feed. But, and also once Instagram in carousels, that also helped a lot because you can still curate what the look of your grid is while still posting the content that you want to post. Right. And uh, there's so much that goes into it. Like mm-hmm. I'm barely even scratching the surface, but basically- We could always do a part yeah. two, but I'm like, you know, the yeah. reason why I wanted to have this conversation is because it's so much easier to have this conversation with someone that knows- what they're talking about. And I feel like I do know like a lot. So at least we can like give people like a little bit of like a more of like a skeleton of like Mm -hmm. how they should go about this. And if people are feeling like they're not getting the clients that they want, that they're not getting even like inquiries, this is where we have to go back and troubleshoot. And one thing that you um, made so um, important in telling me as far as like what I want to, what I want out of my, you know, podcast or what I want out of my makeup uh, clients or brands and stuff like that is the key is communication, right? So there, there's two pillars. That can either make or break you. (laughs) So it's, can you talk a little bit about what you were telling me about how you have to establish value, but also communicate? Because if you're not seeing that return on investment, you might not Mm -hmm. be doing these. Yeah. So with communication and with branding in general, what feels redundant to you is not going to be perceived the same way as your viewer, as your followers. So, you know, personally with Euphoria, we have to reiterate the same messaging essentially over and over because not everyone is seeing that one post. Not everyone, you know, your followers are not going to see every single post that you post. So you can't assume that, oh, they remember that look from 2017. They remember that (laughs) post from last week or even, you know, especially with the algorithm not being chronological anymore. It's really hard to know what your followers are even seeing. So what might seem really redundant to you and you're like, oh, like, I don't want to keep talking about this. I've talked about this so many times. It's like from the viewer's perspective, they're only seeing it one out of 10 times you're posting. So you have to continue you know, establishing the, you know, your personal brand values, but then reiterating that over and over again. And yes, it might seem redundant. It might seem a little extra, (laughs) but you know, if you're trying to communicate something that's important, that is part of your brand, that's crucial to your brand, then you're going to have to have, you know, you always have to go back to that main communication. And so it's, it's a struggle, you know, it's even a struggle for me. Like, I don't want to say the same thing over and over again, but you have to remember, especially after, you know, a little bit of social growth, you have brand new followers that have no idea who you are. And so a lot of times you can reintroduce yourself to your followers, and you can do that through a post. You can do that through. I haven't done that in a while. I need to do that. Yeah. People want to know who you are behind the scenes as well. Like your followers are nosy. They want to know things about you. Yeah. That's, and you know, that's okay. And the thing about social is that you have the power to control how much info about yours. And I think that is, that could be an entire other podcast in and of itself. Right. Um, 
I, I think it's, no, it did. So, um, so basically if you're not, yeah, if you're not seeing, if you're not like getting those calls or inquiries from clients, like I'll, I'll give myself as an example, like for example, if you're doing, um, affiliate marketing and you want to communicate that you are an affiliate for a certain brand, this is something that I struggled with originally because I'm affiliates with a couple of different, uh, a couple different brands. And, um, I was like, why is no one using my affiliate link? And it's like, because if I post about, if I post about that once a month, like the chances of all of these people seeing that, and then also remembering it when they go to order Mm -hmm. is like very slim. So unless you put it at the forefront, whatever you're trying to put at the forefront and then just hammering it home, you had told me that it takes what eight to 10 times. Yeah. So it's, I mean, don't quote me on this, but usually (laughs) it takes three to eight eight. activations with a brand. So that is you know, me being exposed to a brand's messaging, it takes that many times for me to be like, okay, this time I'll go to the website and then I'll exit out. This time I'll go to the website and go to a product page and then I'll exit out. This time I'll go to the website product page, add it to my cart. And then I decide it's probably not worth the money. And so it's, you know, when you're talking about conversions, when you're talking about booking jobs, when you're talking about selling products, you know, are you getting your viewers, your customers to that end checkpoint, to the point of purchase, to, you know, make a call yeah. to book you? Yeah. And that's really what it's about. And it takes so much, you know, you have to engage with that brand multiple, multiple times until they even consider, mm-hmm. you know, booking you before they even consider buying the product. And, that's just how humans, you know, all of marketing is just psychology. It's all consumer behavior. Mm-hmm. It's all, you know, not necessarily in a dark, in a dark way at all, because, you know, there can be that aspect of marketing that is, you know, not as ethical, but that's not what we're here to, right. that's not what we're here to talk we're about. We're talking about that. <laughs> um, but really it is just about like reiterating that messaging over and over again and not being ashamed of talking about it over and over again, because this is your livelihood. You know, you have to book clients to pay your bills. You have to, you know, make a certain sales quota, whatever it might be for you. And there's no shame in, you know, plugging yourself or talking about what it is you do, especially if your social are dedicated, like if your social media channels are dedicated to what it is you do professionally. Um, And I think that people oftentimes, you know, maybe don't want to, post about themselves, don't want to plug themselves, but really that's part of the game. And it takes a long time to be comfortable doing that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It takes a lot of practice and it gets easier, but it's hard. I'm not going to lie. It's hard and it's a process. And each time you communicate with your audience, it's going to get easier, whether right. that's just like going on stories and talking to your audience, or whether that's like being a little bit more vulnerable in a post or whatever it might be for you. Right. And it's, it's really important to make things easy for people and like really like dumb it down. Um, one thing that you could utilize is your bio to like really direct people to click the link and make sure you have like a link tree or something like I have, you could just click on my link in bio and see that. Um, but making it very clear and making the most important things you have, like the first thing that people see, I mean, like, it's Mm -hmm. just, it's just like how it is in day-to-day life. You're going to see like bigger signs first and like this, you know, the, at the supermarket, yep. it just comes down to branding. Like you're going to see the yes. things that are on the end caps yep. and you're going to probably buy those first because they're right by the checkout. You're mm-hmm. going to, you know what I mean? And that's why you get those emails from brands that you do put things in the cart and then you don't check out and then you get an email from them. Yeah. Because, the, you know, that's, that's the kind of 
that's what it all comes down to. Um, I think it's also really important. A lot of people don't check their analytics and like, it is very stressful. I will say like, you know, don't check your analytics if it's going to like hinder your mental health. Like we don't need to like be focused on that in that regard. Like don't look at analytics. If you're looking at analytics for like a like a, a validation, a validation yeah. that what you're doing is right or that your work is uh, valued. Don't look at analytics from that reason, but you have to look at analytics to see if what you're doing is working yeah. and see if what kind of content you're doing is resonating with your audience. You have to go in and see if videos are doing better. If, if uh, you know, like go back to the social pillars, which, you know, which social pillar does this fit in with? And if three posts from that one social pillar are never doing well, maybe it's time to expand upon the messaging. Exactly. Exactly. So you, you need to use analytics more as a tool and less as like a, you know, like you can't take it personally. And that is a tool. It's literally incredibly hard to get to. Yes. Yes. It's so hard to get to the point where, you know, you almost have to separate it, especially if you're on socials, you know, to promote, a job or to promote yourself as a professional, because it that's not reflective of your skill. That's not reflective of you as a person. It's reflective of the way that you're using the tools that are given to you. And especially with Instagram and especially how they love to change things right as you figure it out. That's why you really have to lean into analytics because if you're, you know, if you're not doing carousel posts, maybe you should try doing carousel posts. And if you're doing too many carousel posts, maybe you should try doing a couple reels. And really it's just about finding a balance. And to be honest, you're never going to get there. You're never going to have the perfect balance. You're never going to have a a perfect feed. So if that's your mindset going into it, you might want to readjust because you're going to be constantly iterating and that's okay. And that's sort of the point is because, you know, you put some content out there, you see how it does, you see how it resonates with people. You get a little bit of feedback and then you go back to your content pillars and you readjust. Mm -hmm. And that is especially true if you're planning content out in advance. Now, I know that that is a luxury that a lot of people don't, don't have because, you know, a lot of times if you're, you know, if you are a working makeup artist, maybe you have another job that you're doing as well. Like mm-hmm. maybe you have a family, maybe there are other things in your life that you can't spend all your time planning your social content. And that's okay. That's totally okay. Those analytics can play that role a little bit for you. So it's right. just about learning how to use the analytics and Instagram and TikTok actually set it up pretty, pretty easy, which is nice because, mm-hmm. you know, on the other side of it, it, you know, data can get a little crazy. So keep it high level if, um, if you need, and if you don't have the time, um, how do you feel about hashtags? Hashtags. I, I've been on Instagram for what a decade. I don't even know (laughs) when Instagram started. I have no idea. I think I've been on for a decade. Hashtags. Well, first of all, they're different on every platform. So the hashtag you use on TikTok is going to be very different than the hashtag strategy you use on Instagram. And to be honest, I struggle so much with hashtags. Like there's no right answer at all, pretty much. And it's always changing. You always have to adjust. And, you know, there are a ton of different strategies you can try. You know, sometimes not using hashtags can be can benefit you more than using 30 hashtags. Sometimes using two hashtags benefits you more than using 20 hashtags. And it really is just about trial and error, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And that's probably by design. 
by Instagram, not going to lie, to keep us on our feet, to keep us iterating. Because, you know, seeing success, I haven't really seen personally, I haven't really seen a lot of success with hashtag since mm-hmm. last summer. I got a, a couple honest. bookings from uh, Halloween because people mm. were looking up Atlanta makeup artists on hashtags and yeah. they found me. But okay, I'm going to let you guys on a real, <laughs> real big secret. Okay. And your, your minds are going to be blown. I'll have to take a screen record of this. I'm going to do it right now to make sure that it's still working. So this was a hack that I found out about on, Wait, I think I know what you're going to say. On TikTok where you find mm-hmm. out what hashtags work. Yes. Okay, this is this is going to blow your mind because most people don't know this. Let's walk so, through. And this concludes the end of part one. Be on the lookout for part two where we continue the conversation. Mm-hmm.